four words that turn summer into autumn. Notre Dame versus Michigan. Two giants who first clashed way back in 1887. For over a century, mud-covered golden domers have tussled with the guts and glue of the maize and blue. Epic battles punctuated by legendary names. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Fighting Wolverines podcast. Um, your host, Michael Keeley, and I'm here with Dan Large. Dan, how you doing? Doing good. Good, good. Um, we're going to get into a few things today. We're going to talk about Notre Dame spring game that happened this past weekend on Saturday. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit of draft recap, and then we're going to go through both programs, both Michigan and Notre Dame, and kind of talk about some recruiting news and the state of the program, stuff like that. So sound good? Sounds good to me. All right. So I'll start out talking about uh, the Notre Dame spring game that happened this past weekend. And uh, it was, it was a good game. It was, it was fun to watch. It was on the Peacock streaming app and uh, it was just good to see some football. I mean, what? Nas- it, not national televised on TV? <laughs> no, no. I don't know why NBC didn't pick it up, but... Um, At least I, NBC Sports. Yeah, it's just... I wonder if it has to do with COVID or something like that, probably. Because they were only allowing certain people... Like, every affiliate that they have with, like... Whether it be, um, like, Irish Illustrated or BlueAndGold.com, they, uh, they ended up having only one person allowed in the press box. So... It was, I mean, just COVID. COVID seems to affect everything nowadays. So, um, but yeah, the game was good. There were some exciting things that uh, Irish fans saw that I enjoyed. I was, there, there's a quarterback battle going on between really two guys, um, Jack Cohn and Drew Pine. And then there's the freshman, Tyler Buckner, who I've mentioned on this podcast before. He's, he's the highly touted freshman and everybody and their brother, every fan wants Tyler Buckner to play. Um, but that's just probably not going to happen. <laughs> and unfortunately um, for fans, he he spoiled us a little bit this weekend. And he led the only two touchdown drives of the game. So that was fun. Uh, we got to enjoy watching him. At the, the first, or he looked to start out the game, he looked a little bit rough. And uh, it looked like a, a true freshman. I mean, he was a little jittery. He kind of looks like he was a little out of sorts. But he came out after the second half, and it was just like he was – timing was on. He he led the, the offense right down the field. So that was good to see. But um, not a whole lot else from the spring game. I mean, defense looked good. Yeah, I think they're going to be the strong point of the team this year. They're going to have to be. Offensively, O-line looks a little bit rough. You got some shuffled starters and young guys that are going to be playing. And then the wide receiver core is, you know, a lot of uh, quick, fast, speedy receivers, but not a lot of size, which is what we saw last year. I mean, you had two two outside wide receivers that were, you know, 6'4", 6'5". But again, they didn't stretch the field ever, so it didn't really matter. But they were really, they really played a pivotal role in the in the run game. So, but yeah, I mean, it was a it was a spring game. 
that's that's all I that there really is to say about that. It was another chance for them to get out and play, and uh, and just kind of get some of those jitters out and and get in front of some fans. So it was good to see. But I do want to address. <laughs> I know this is kind of random. I do want to address the. Uh, I so I have a an Instagram. Um, it's called uh, Irish Eyes Football, and it's a Facebook as well. But I post a story on there. And I, I give uh, people who follow me an opportunity to ask questions. And I tell them that I'm going to, you know, talk about it on the podcast. And so uh, I'm going to address, I had one question. I know I'm a huge success, but uh, <laughs> Thomas yeah. Girk, I think I'm hoping I'm saying that name correctly. He asked a question about the Notre Dame PA um, announcer because Mike Collins retired last year. I uh, had his final game in Notre Dame stadium and uh, he was asking if they were trying out new PA announcers. Uh, and honestly, Thomas, I don't know the answer to that question. Um, I've, I've Not something to keep track, really. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't notice it. I mean, they had somebody doing it. So it was hard to tell with, the, with watching it on Peacock. So I, I couldn't tell. Um, but I, I didn't really see anything online that said that. But I know that there have been a few people that have uh, tried out for the job. I know that um, – Mike Golick Jr. has put his name in the hat. Really? Uh, yeah, he's a legacy, so he might he might end up being the voice of the Irish in the stadium. So that'd be be kind of cool. But um, have a outstanding, outstanding voice. voice. Something he stands would. out. Yeah, he does have a pretty deep voice. I mean, he's on he has he's on ESPN and stuff. So um, hmm. he's he's got a voice for the for the radio and for some announcing. But let's uh. Let's move on and let's jump into some draft stuff here. I do have a couple of questions. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, what kind of format, like how did they play the spring game, like scoring process? Did they have kickoffs and all that? Uh, there was – no, like they kicked off. So this is what it appeared to me. They kicked off and there was no one running down. They just had a kicker and then a, like a receiver. Mm-hmm. And they just wherever they caught it, that's where they started from. And punt returns was it was played as normal, like you would punt with your full punt or special teams unit, and then fair catch and wherever he caught the ball, that's where you started. Just you know, opportunity to give that live action feel of guys running at you when you're trying to fair catch. But no punt returns were actually actually happened. Um, Scoring wise, it was just normal. I mean, obviously the everything else was normal other than that, really. So can't get much from the spring game. Just get you pumped up for the season. Yeah, it's a. I mean, it's for the fans. I, I went when I was younger, and you know, being a younger fan, I'm talking when I was like young, young, and I thought, you know, I thought it was like the craziest thing ever. I was like, oh man, like the spring game is the coolest thing, and you know, I actually went to a Notre Dame game, and the older. I, the older I got, I realized that anyone can really go. <laughs> it's really made for the fans. Yeah, for sure. Throw for some sure. trick plays once in a while. I remember watching a Michigan spring game and seeing this kid wearing an odd number for a receiver, 41, and he's catching five patches. I was like, oh, he's good. Then you don't see him all season <laughs> because he's yeah. low on the depth chart. Right, yeah, they – once the um, second stringers, well, I mean, I guess not second stringers, but third and fourth stringers come in, walk-ons and stuff like that, it's just kind of, 
you know, it's fun for everybody. It gives it's and essentially like it's a it's a glorified practice. Like yeah. you just you're working on things, you're shuffling things around, but you know, there's TV cameras there and people are watching. It's just it's a little bit different than the other practices. That's all it is. So you said they were fans. Yeah, they had they allowed some students and uh parents. Parents okay. were allowed at, at the stadium. They were allowing students during the season, right? Yeah, they were – they had – so I remember the first game against Duke, they had I, – I don't remember the exact number. I want to say it was only like probably five, five, six thousand 6,000 people. But they spread it out enough to where it felt like there was some atmosphere there, which was nice. And then I remember the, the Clemson game in the middle of the year, there was quite a few fans. I, I remember like when they came around the tunnel, I was like, wow. Actually, I mean, it didn't look full, but it was. They were spread out. I remember. Yeah, that. yeah. It was, and then, of course, you had the rush of the field at the end, and <laughs> everyone lost their mind because they thought COVID was going to run rampant on South Bend. And it didn't. And it didn't. Yep. Shock, shocker there. Um, but yeah. Anything else for the spring game? Uh, the offensive line is probably a big need for next season. If all those guys drafted, well, how yeah. did they look? Yeah, so part of the part of the my Instagram and stuff, I I post articles. Um, I have a it's a blog, but I I use it as a way to write you know articles on different things. I usually post one once a week because I don't have a ton of time. But I I wrote about that a little bit in the the blue and gold game recap that's posted today, and you know. We had four guys that were drafted. Well, one of them was an undrafted free agent. And um, when you lose that much, you're gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult the following year. And as, even as well as Notre Dame recruits at offensive line, it's there's gonna be some shuffling around. And I would say, oddly enough, the the really you know the highly recruited uh, freshman come that came in Blake. Fisher, he ends. I, I mean, he's going to end up starting. He's and I think that he's going to start at left tackle. That's what I've. That's what I've heard. He's looked really good, and, I mean, I, I Jarrett Patterson is a. He's a, the only returner from the offensive line last year, and he's injured right now, so he wasn't even playing this spring. So those two are really the only set in stone starters, and I would assume uh, Zeke Carell. He's a uh, he's the center. He's been playing center. Uh, he played when Jarrett Patterson got hurt last year. He stepped in and played for him. So he he's probably the third one that is like is has got a spot locked up. Um, but the other two positions, I I just don't know. There's a couple different names in in the hat, and we'll see what happens come fall. Okay, how about moving over to the defensive side? I mean, they're replacing their top linebacker. Their secondary, I don't think they lost too much. No, I mean, they lost Nick McLeod. He was an undrafted free agent. And, you know, he was a he was a transfer, a grad transfer from NC State. And uh, Clarence Lewis, who is the cornerback uh, on the opposite side of him, is a freshman, or was a freshman, sorry. And so he's going into a sophomore year. He looks like he's ready to play. Like he's going to be a, he's going to be a solid contributor. And of course, you have Kyle Hamilton um, at safety, and he didn't play this spring either because he's been 
he was nursing an injury. I don't remember exactly what it was, but um, he's, you know, he's going to be, an, I mean, he was an all American last year. So I would assume he's going to have another stellar season and get drafted high. Um, but the other two spots, it's just kind of up in the air right now. There's a couple names being thrown around. Um, I know I've heard Cam Hart at cornerback is a possibility. Um, there's a freshman, Ramon um, Henderson. He has apparently looked really good this spring, so he, he may end up starting at corner or at least playing some. But defensively, other than the back end, the front seven is absolutely phenomenal. And what's going to be great is that that front seven is going to take a lot of pressure off the backside. And they aren't going to have to, you know, you're going to get you're going to get pressure and those, you know, those outside guys aren't going to have to be on point every single play and they're going to cause some havoc up front. And I think they're going to be, I mean, it was funny because the spring game, they weren't supposed to, they weren't supposed to blitz. That was like a, a rule or something. I don't know if it was like an unspoken rule or it was an actual rule, but they were blitzing <laughs> a lot. So um, I don't know if Marcus Freeman just said, you know, screw it, <laughs> here we come, or I don't know what it was, but they weren't allowed to hit the quarterback, right? No, other than so Tyler Buckner, the freshman, he was he actually played with a blue jersey. He didn't play with a red jersey because he's he his game is he's a dual threat guy. Mm-hmm. So they okay. wanted him. They wanted to see him in a read option situation and be able to run. And if he, you know, if the cl- take uh, hits, yeah, if the pocket collapses, he busts out and takes off. Um, Cause that's what he's, I mean, that's what he's good at. He's, you know, he's got a good arm too, but he can, he can run as well. So. Do you know his house fast 440? You don't know. I don't know a 40 time on him, but I do, I have watched his highlights um, quite a few times. His, so he didn't have a senior season because he's from California, but yeah. um, junior year, his highlight tape is is really fun to watch. He and again, he doesn't play against the greatest competition, but I mean, he, when he when he turns the burners on, he's he's fast. He's really fast. So not so, yeah. Denard Robinson, Mike Vick speed. No. No, 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 no. Maybe like Vince Young. Um, kind of long say- stride. No, he's not necessarily he's not as tall as Vince Young was, but he I would say he's pretty comparable to like um oh geez, put me on the spot here. Um <laughs> comparable to I mean, comparable to Ian Book kind of. Ian okay. Book was like, you know, he wasn't blazing fast, but he I mean he could outrun outrun defenders. So it's always good to have a quarterback that can scramble. Oh yeah. But when it becomes a crutch I don't want to get into true, that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, <laughs> that's a whole nother thing. But um, yeah, so it was a good it was a good spring game. I I think we saw what most people expected. To be honest with you, so yeah. Um, well, let's move into the the draft here and talk about um, just kind of overall thoughts. And, but first I want to ask you, it can be overall, um, or it can be specific to Michigan or whatever you want. What's your, what was your biggest surprise from the 2021 NFL draft? 
first off, we're missed. You're going to probably be their long snapper getting drafted. Yeah. Did not that, see that coming. That surprised me as well. Cameron Cheeseman. <laughs> <laughs> there was a video of uh, – there was a there was another long snapper that was drafted, wasn't there, from Alabama? Yeah, I, I think there is a long snapper, another one. I don't and, know if he was from Alabama, but, yeah, I well, think that, there were a couple – I think one went to the Vikings. Yeah, there was a the video of, of that kid that had – it was a – or someone that wrote an article on it. I don't remember who it was, but it was a video of him like – he was like shocked. He's like um, – I don't even think he was like sitting around with family or anything like that. And they just called him and they're like, hey, dude. What? <laughs> I, think, I think so. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure that's what it said. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> So it looks like well we'll we'll go over the overall stuff, but your biggest surprise is long snapper? Well yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. Yeah. He wasn't even I went by the ESPN rankings by position. Of course they're not gonna have long snappers. Yeah. Kind of like fullbacks, which their fullback Ben Mason was drafted. Yeah. And there were two in the draft. Him and uh can't remember his name already, but he didn't get drafted. <laughs> so right, and and yet with a name like Cameron Cheeseman, that's that's pretty sweet. <laughs> um, I would say for me, probably the biggest surprise. I'll go. I'm gonna cheat. And I'm gonna say two. <laughs> First one, Ian Book in the fourth round. Um, mm-hmm. that was a shocker. I I had mentioned on the last podcast that I thought he would be an undrafted free agent, which I thought would be better for him because like we said last, last week you go from if, and the, you get drafted in six to seven, even, even in the fifth round, you're kind of like, you're not guaranteed a spot. And, and with the undrafted free agent route, you, you get to pick where you go. You get to look at the rosters and stuff like that. So being drafted in the fourth round and to a pretty good situation, in New Orleans. I mean, Drew Brees just retired. You don't and... know really who the quarterback could be. Yeah, and so, like, I'm not saying he's going to go and start by any means. I, I don't think that's going to be the case. But, I mean, was it J- Jameis Winston, right? He's there. And, and uh, um, Tays- or not, it's Taysom Hill. So, I mean, I don't, like, Taysom Hill, we're not sure if he's a legit starter in the NFL. And so anyways, I think, you know, you're going to see him get a little play, obviously playing time in the in preseason, but then you never know if something goes wrong. If, you know, Jameson starts throwing his hundred interceptions <laughs> a, se- a season and, you know, Taysom Hill, they like to move him around a lot. So you never know. Book might yeah. get a look there. So well, Sean Payton that, must like him for a reason. So, yeah. And I said that too, I think in the last podcast that, you know, he's going to make a quarterback room better. Like, he's the all-time winningest quarterback at Notre Dame. Like, he didn't get there by being a, a chump. Like, he's he's smart. He's He's got a good head on his shoulders. He's a good teammate. And so he's going to add something to your to your QB room. Um, and then I would say my other one would be Ben Skoranek. I was really shocked uh, that he ended up getting drafted. I didn't think – because he was – he actually ended up having to set off the senior bowl with a leg injury. And I thought for sure he would get – he'd be an undrafted free agent, but – Yeah, you said 
out of the 11 players, you thought nine, which nine got drafted. And you didn't have the two receivers, I don't think. No, at least I, one of them was drafted. Well, and what we talked about that before the podcast was that I didn't. I thought Ian Book would be wouldn't get drafted, <laughs> and he got he got picked in the fourth round. So it shows how much yeah. I know. But and I guess you could say another surprise would be Awusu Koromoa dropping to second round. But um, you had but three yeah. Notre Dame players in a span from forty two to fifty two in the second yeah. round. Yeah, it it, it came. Showed up real quick. It, I remember looking on Twitter because I wasn't able to watch. I don't have uh, cable at my apartment, so I remember seeing on Twitter like it was like boom, 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 like one right after the other. So yeah, that was cool. Um, what are your overall thoughts though? Just like you can, I mean, overall thoughts on the draft itself. Um, I mean, specifically Michigan, whatever you want. Quitty pay. Pretty much Michigan has defensive players in the first round the last few yep. years with Rashawn Gary, Devin Bush. So that keeps going. Mm-hmm. But never a skill position continues that... to haunt Michigan. <laughs> we have yeah. all these receivers like Nico Collins, Godfrey Peoples-Jones from last year. Yep. Shows the difference between Alabama and Michigan. <laughs> yeah. Well, for you guys too, it's Ohio State. Like, yeah. I mean, Ohio State's the closest thing to an SEC power if you want to rate schools by that way, especially yeah. Alabama. For sure. Um, what about uh, what? Oh, go ahead. Jalen Mayfield was part of the Ed Warner. Oh, Ed Warner was the offensive line coach. He's no longer there at Michigan. I don't know why they picked him. Why they didn't pick him up? Mm-hmm. Uh, they had four of their offensive line and starting linemen drafted last year's. Mm. So the fifth one was drafted today. I mean, last weekend. Gotcha. And the four from last year that never happened in Michigan history. Where the four linemen in one draft. Oh yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, so I mean, you guys had a pretty, that's a pretty good draft. I mean, still think Nico's a steal, but you don't know what's going on in Houston with Deshaun Watson. That's very true. <laughs> I think I think Ambry Thomas. Is that how you say that? I think that's how you say yeah. his name. He, I felt like you know I watched him play against Notre Dame and stuff. I felt like he was, he's pretty good. I mean. He'll be a. I think he'll be a contributor somewhere. Well, I mean, obviously he's in San Francisco. He came onto the scene in the 2018 opener against Notre Dame with the kickoff return for a touchdown. Ah, uh, yeah. First score for first touchdown for Michigan in that game. Uh, I remember that. He didn't really play defensive back at that year. Then he started in 2019. Mm-hmm. It really came out of nowhere. Right. When I think uh, moving down the list, Cameron McGrone, I I watched him play a little bit this year. I thought he on a, on your defense. I thought he was. I mean, Quiddy Pay was good, but I thought I thought McGrone was really solid. I thought he, he was a good player. Not last year. I don't think his freshman year when he had to play because Josh Ross was injured. Mm-hmm. So he got to play more. We thought he was going to be the next Devin Bush. Oh, okay. He had a disappointing well, season last year. Our land, our whole front seven was really bad. I guess year. I shouldn't talk about what I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll just I'll just stick to Notre Dame stuff. 
Fuck Ben um, Mason. <laughs> yeah, that we talked about that too. That was funny. Um, I think Vince last Mason. week. I don't think that we. I don't think that we talked about this in the podcast, but we had talked about it before last week's podcast about Ben Mason getting drafted. Yeah, I did um, not think he was going to be drafted. Well, and we said that it would. The only way he gets drafted is if he goes to Baltimore because of Harbaugh. Yeah, old like, school. Well, someone and like, who uses a fullback at least. What and it felt like John Harb or Jim Harbaugh. Sorry, excuse me. Loved Ben Mason. It was like oh, third yeah. down, third down and short. Mason's getting the ball, and so um, you, I mean, he get probably got on the phone and he was like, "You want this guy?" <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> that was kind of. I thought that was kind of funny. We we kind of called that one, but yeah. Um, anything else from U of M's draftees? No. Okay. no. That Cheeseman yeah. guy, man. <laughs> yeah. Cheeseman. I can't funny. believe he got picked. That came out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, I would say going down the list for Notre Dame's players, you got – I mean, Liam Eikenberg is going to be really solid. I don't – I think he's going to end up being a guard. Um, he doesn't have the length, the typical length for a tackle. Mm-hmm. But it's either he's going to play guard or probably right tackle. And I've heard that he's going to – so what I've seen is he's going to play right tackle, but I think – I personally think he'll end up playing guard. Um, Aaron Banks, I was shocked by this one. There were a lot of people that I listened to and, you know, read that – we're saying that Aaron Banks was going to, he was going to be like a, like even possible, like not even getting drafted. Really? And yeah, I, I mean, obviously I heard some people say that maybe like fourth round, fifth round pick, but definitely not second round. That was, that was a shock. Um, and he, he joins forces with Mike McGlinchey in San Francisco. So that's kind of cool. Um, Jeremiah, <laughs> Um, kind of funny story on our way, we were actually driving, um, South, my wife and I, and the, I was watching the ticker on my phone. I wasn't like, I was paying attention while I was driving, but I had my phone kind of like up on the dash and I was watching it. And, um, and yeah, the core, our Abusha was still there. And I, the, the lions came up there. It was their turn to pick in the second round. And I'm thinking like, Oh man, this is it! Like he's gonna get drafted by the Lions because they kind of—they mean linebacker was a need for them, mm-hmm. and obviously they didn't pick him. But I thought I was so excited. I kept like watching. I was like refreshing it every two seconds because I was like, please take my the best Notre Dame player. That would been <laughs> that would been awesome. They went um, with a uh, defensive lineman. Yeah, one that I've never heard of, but um, Pac-12. Yeah, uh, Tommy Tremble getting drafted in the third round. He got a third-round grade when he was deciding whether to leave, so that was pretty accurate. Um, I think Carolina's getting a good player. He's really good blocker. He can use some work, you know, catching the ball, but he never really got the opportunity to catch the ball at Notre Dame. Like, people always say that he was, you know, he didn't have great hands. It's like the dude was never thrown to. Like, I mean, he was a few times, but, and when he did, he caught it. So, um, 
So I think he's he was a good pickup for Carolina. Um, Robert Hainsey, just another solid offensive lineman. He's just gonna be good, good there. And then we talked about Book a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, Dalen Hayes going to Baltimore. It'll be interesting to see what happens with him because he played a lot of, um, you know, outside. He was a defensive end, rushing the passer, but I think he could play some linebacker. I think he's athletic enough to do that. Um, Ade Ogundije getting drafted. He's a cool story because he came in to Notre Dame as a three-star, and he was there for five years, I believe. And, you know, he stuck it out and ended up getting drafted and I, I think it's pretty cool. You come in and he, he, I mean, he practically sat every game for the first two years. And then he kind of started, you know, figuring it out and and playing. So, but, you know, I have a long list here. I'm looking <laughs> at it. And three players got picked up by Detroit from Notre Dame. Yeah. He, uh, Dan Campbell, the head coach at for the Lions, he picked up a lot of offensive players. Yeah, they I'm, need help. If I remember right. Yeah, they need help at wide receiver for sure. Um, I don't think they really need tight end, do they? They have Hawkinson. Don't they have Jesse James too? I mean, he's not like, he's not a you know great player, but I just remember Hawkinson. <laughs> Yeah, I don't Hawkinson. know if they had Jesse James back. I don't know that I necessarily uh, – anymore, I don't know that I necessarily view Hawkinson as a tight end. He's kind of like a hybrid. When the Lions had the seventh pick, I wouldn't mind if Kyle Pitts dropped the seven mm. from Florida. I would have picked him. I don't think he's a – I don't think he's, he's a tight end. He's not a tight end. He's a receiver. He's like built just like Kelvin Johnson was. Yeah, I love him. Kyle <laughs> Yeah, I think he's going to be really solid. Um, it was him or Don uh, Davis. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's pretty much it for for the draft coverage. Um, hopefully, you know, you never know. These dudes get drafted, and then if they find a niche somewhere, and it's always it's always amazing to me that you know everyone, Mel Kiper and all those dudes, they just get paid so much money to like essentially be wrong. They like the weatherman. Um, oh yeah, but <laughs> they don't. Know. But they predict the top seven or something in that area. Then it could be anything after that. Right. Yeah, it's so like these guys go and I mean we've seen it year after year where if you know like think about I mean this is a really odd comparison, but if you think about like Tom Brady. Like Tom Brady's obviously a great quarterback, but if he doesn't go to New England, do, does he have near the career that he has? Like, no one ever. I mean, no one will ever know. Well, I mean, I guess he kind of do know now because he went to Tampa Bay and won it. But I mean, that was after however many years of being in a winning culture too, so that helps. But guys, just you know, sometimes they go to places and they just don't work out. Like, and they're so used to getting coached hard in college football and then they go to the pros and there's a little bit more leniency you're kind of you know you're an adult like you're supposed to take care of yourself in the locker room and some people don't handle that transition very well especially for quarterbacks who play on a high power offense 
that can blow out everyone, then you go to the NFL and it's a different speed. Everyone's fast. It's mm. top players. Yep. Where you're at Alabama and half of your team's going pro, but the other half is sure. from the other team. Yeah. It's definitely a change. And I mean, I'm not going to act like I know what it's like because I have no clue, but. Um, I don't imagine Trey Lance. <laughs> Still, <laughs> yeah, that was that was odd. I I don't know. It seems like every year they just. I think we talked about this last week, but they just pick one guy and they're like, "He's some from some random school, not some random." I mean, North Dakota State's not. They that brag random. about one team. I mean, yeah. player. It's just like it's it's like okay, like I don't know. He doesn't play anybody. Like sure he's got the physical tools and all that stuff, but we'll see. You never you never know. I found the biggest surprise of the first round where the Kuiper and McShay looked shocked and surprised was the eighth pick, JC Horn. Mm. He was a defensive back from South Carolina. Yeah, I, I know was that surprised. I did I had no clue. That was that was the first big surprise of the draft. There was a lot of people that, oddly enough, I follow a couple different college football things on Instagram, and they were talking about um, Sertan always being the number one. Like, they'd come out with these rankings of the cornerbacks and stuff. And, like, there were a lot of people who were saying, like, this dude from South Carolina is legit, and, like, he's going to go over Sertan. And, you know, of course, once again, you know, you never know what's going to happen if a team needs a certain player or whatever, you know, a certain fit. But it was funny that he ended up going ahead of him because I saw a lot of people that were like, no, he's better than Sertan. And apparently the who, – who drafted him? Carolina. You know? Yeah, apparently Carolina thought that. And, I mean, I guess he is from South Carolina too, so maybe that played a role. But And Sertan went to Denver. Yeah, and I think they're both really good, but um, I think at that point you're talking about like 1A, 1B. I I think either one that you get, but being Lions fans, we uh, drafted Okuda, and he didn't work. He had, I mean, at least up to this point, he hasn't worked out so well. But um, yeah, let's uh, – I think you had a couple um, things about the draft that you – some fun facts you were going to talk about? First fun fact is Big 12 had zero <laughs> first-round picks. The Big 12 did? <laughs> yeah. First for a Power 5 conference since 2000. <laughs> Jeez. I did not know that. Yeah. Northwestern had their first round, like their first ever first-round pick since 2005. Was that the cornerback? Yeah. Or the? Oh, yeah. He went to... Because uh, he joined an Notre Dame player. No, the uh, offensive lineman, Rashawn Slater. Okay. I'm, I'm way he off. Went, Never uh, mind. He went 13th to the Chargers. And su- no surprise, Alabama, 12 straight years with a first-round pick. Didn't they have six in the first round? Well, probably. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I don't want to look over it. <laughs> no, I, I think I think that was a stat. That I think I it saw. is six. Which is just Didn't they absolutely... beat their old mark from last year or something. I don't know. I well, I know. So Najee Harris, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, Mac Jones, uh, the Alex Leatherwood, 
And then who is uh, Sertan? Yeah, six. Devontae Smith, Sertan. I think Mac we can Jones. all give Alex give Leatherwood. Them a, yeah, Alex Leatherwood. Going down. Najee Harris. Yeah, did you say Jalen Waddle? Northwestern had two in the first round. Yeah, they had the lineman and the cornerback. Yeah, he went the other. The corner went twenty six to Cleveland. That's why, because uh, Cormo and him, I saw them on the same graphic together. Because Cormo went to Cleveland. Um, I think we can all give a collective screw you to Alabama. <laughs> yeah. Every year, but surprisingly, Michigan has the fourth most draft picks in the last five years but that's crazy nothing to say they have more than clemson by nine wow that's wild difference from coaching i guess my buddy and i voice my buddy and i voice talked about that that you know harbaugh he i mean he says that harbaugh you know he produces draft picks but it's like those dudes don't produce on the field at Michigan. Well, that's the big yeah. difference. You need those skill players to be first-round picks. Mm-hmm. We haven't had one since Braylon. Oh, wow. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's a it's a tough <laughs> tough spot to be in right now. You guys are a basketball school, though, so you don't have to worry about it. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's move on. We can talk, actually, that kind of is a decent segue into um, U of M. Basketball news. Yeah, no. <laughs> no. We'll, we'll talk basketball when basketball season rolls around. But um, I, I'm down for it. Yeah, let's, uh, let's talk about a little recruiting news from U of M and then a little bit of just kind of the general state of the program. I don't, I don't know how much you'll have on that, but um, let's go with recruitment news to start out with. Well, they had a big pickup in Tyler Morris, a four-star uh, wide receiver. Mm-hmm. They said he was a quick recruit because he got hurt, so he went ahead and committed to the team. Mm. He's good friends with J.J. McCarthy, played in the same area, Chicago area with J.J. Right. So he knows him well. I think that's what gave him gave Michigan the advantage in the recruiting did they, process. Did he go to IMG Academy with him? No. Oh, he okay. stayed in Chicago. He did not have, well, because of the COVID season throughout the country, Chicago area didn't have much of a season. Right. But everyone in the Michigan Insider are really excited about him. Mm. But, and he committed over in Notre Dame. So. And Florida. Yeah. And in You're that welcome. process, we lost our former five-star receiver, Xavier Worthy. Who I, know, I know the feeling. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we'll that talk came about out that. today. <laughs> we'll talk about that. Or it was yesterday. Oh, we'll, talk, it was yesterday. We'll, talk, we'll talk about that in a little bit. I Worthy went to Texas because he had a close uh, commitment to, well, relationship with Sarkeesian. Mm. I think I did see that. Um, now that you mention it, I I do see I'll randomly see like Michigan fan pages pop up. I don't know why I don't follow anything Michigan related, but maybe they know that I maybe they're listening to me right now, and they know that I the talk internet about knows <laughs> the phones are listening. 
<laughs> um, anything else as far as recruitment? You think there's any going to be any uh, commitments in the near future, or they're still after a defensive back, uh, Damani Jackson, mm-hmm. who's leaning toward going to USC, but Michigan's still going after him. Okay, he's good friends with Will Johnson, who's mm. a commit for Michigan in the 2022 class. He's trying to recruit him, I guess. Gotcha. Um, anything else? Nope. It's just dead period right now. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot we're of these kind players of... are com- coming to visit next month. That's pretty right. much the only news. Uh, yeah, I think with the, with them waiting for their official visits, and stuff, it's, I mean, it's going to be a little bit here before we see a bunch of commits. Because once these kids go to, once they go to um, these campuses, because I think they're allowed five or something like that, um, they're going to end up, you know, obviously seeing campuses they like, complexes they like, and then I think you're going to start to see a bunch of commits happen. Which is maybe even changing commits because we didn't have this last year. Yeah. Um, Jump into some Notre Dame recruitment news and state of the program type stuff. Um, Actually, it was Sunday. Notre Dame received a commitment from a tight end, three star tight end, Eli Raritan. Uh, he is, he's a legacy, I believe. I think his dad played football at Notre Dame. So it wasn't a huge shock that he commit, but there was committed. Sorry. Um, there was a tight end now, and I'm totally drawing a blank on his name because they just said signed Darren Agu a couple of weeks ago and, but they had lost the tight end and I cannot for the life of me think of his name, but, um, this was kind of expected. You know, they were going to push hard for Raritan. And then there's another tight end named Holden Stays that is right now, I think he's crystal balled to the Irish, but I'm not exactly sure on that. So I don't want to say for one way or the other, but there's a good, I've heard a lot of people say that there's a good chance that he comes to Notre Dame. So you're going to end up with three tight ends in the class. Uh, But Raritan is, He's very athletic. He's 6'6", kind of skinny. He's not not a huge body, but again, that that kind of stuff that can be they're going to gain he's going to gain weight when he comes to ND. So the tight end um, you're thinking of is Jack Nickel. Yes. Yeah, Jack he Nickel. Decommitted back in April. Well, not yeah. too long ago. Yeah, it wasn't long ago. It was I don't remember if it was Nickel decommitted and then Agu committed or if it was after one I don't remember which order that went in but I would say you know Raritan's gonna I mean he's gonna get bigger he's only a junior so I watched a video the other day of him it was I think he posted that or someone retweeted it or something and he just went up in like two hand I mean it was a it was a nice dunk um basketball so he's a good Where's athlete he from? that's a great question I should know that uh, let me look, let me look that up real quick for you. Um, 
but yeah, he's he is a really solid athlete, and I'm looking this up as we speak. He is from Indiana, West Des Moines, Iowa. Okay, it's an I. Yeah, right. Um, so yeah, we'll see what happens with him. And probably the biggest news, which I kind of mentioned earlier, was the departure of five-star wide receiver Jordan Johnson. Uh, he transferred yet as of yesterday. I put his name in the transfer portal as of yesterday. And he has been a hot topic on message boards and Facebook on everywhere you look for Notre Dame because last year he came in, I mean, he came in as probably the highest rated recruit in the 2020 class. I think he was the highest rated recruit and he didn't see the field. Like he just didn't play. And a lot of people were upset because there seems to be a, a theme with Brian Kelly and young wide receivers, just not playing. Like they just, you know, they rarely play. And I actually, posted an article about that as well and I showed a graphic of you know with names like Chase Claypool um, Will Fuller TJ Jones their freshman year they had like five catches a piece like they barely touched the field and, and it's like it's hard for me to believe that those guys are that bad as freshmen like you look at I mean Chase Claypool was kind of raw because he was from Canada his a unique situation but I have a really hard time believing that Will Fuller is was that bad when he was a freshman, like bad enough to wear or not, you know, not worthy of at least getting some, some playing time. Yeah, or whether it's a deep ball here or there, just like something. Um, Sometimes they give those freshmen special team kickoff returns and all that. Yeah, and that may have happened. I don't know. I'm just I'm referring. You don't to remember anything, so no, you didn't do anything, and, obviously. Yeah, so it, it's it's kind of frustrating, and I, I understand people's frustration because, you know, like, you look at these other programs, the powerhouses, you look at Bama and Clemson and, and OSU, and it's like, they've got freshman wide receivers that, I mean, Devon, I mean, again, I'm not comparing Jordan Johnson to Devontae Smith, but, like, Devontae Smith caught the game-winning touchdown in the national championship game, like, you got to give these kids a chance. Like they're never going to get into a rhythm or, you know, and some kids are gamers. Like maybe they don't show much in practice. Like, and you can tell if it's like they're, they're sloughing off and not given a hundred percent or if they're just, you know, maybe they're just, they practice, they don't practice very well. Like they drop some balls, but when they get in the game, that light flips on and it's like, let's go. So uh, there's, you know, He's going to probably land at a power five and I, I hope he does well. I, you know, in a way kind of like a playing devil's advocate, but I, unless he goes to Michigan. Yes. Then I want him to suck. <laughs> I want him to never, to never catch another pass. They did offer life. him three years ago. Yeah, I did. I did see that. So I think, you know, there's a couple different places. I think he'll land in the sec. Um, Just like but, that Ohio state transfer. Yeah, go from Ohio State to Bama. Like, rough life, That's dude. Terrible. <laughs> rough life. But, <clears throat> yeah, I, again, I could talk about it for a long time, but I won't bore you with that. Well, 
same thing for Michigan. They don't. It's just the offensive scheme. They haven't hit that next level yet. It's the same thing for Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. I feel like it. Yeah, I mean. They don't take risks downfield enough. They have all these receivers that, like you said, they had Chase Claypool, six foot four guy, throw him up, throw him the ball. <laughs> I mean, it's weird because, like, you've watched this progression with Brian Kelly, and you've seen when he first got there. Obviously, you know, two thousand nine to two thousand eleven was kind of rough because he was dealing with you know Charlie or Charlie Weiss recruits and and stuff like that, but. um once he got his own guys in there, you know, like he came from Cincinnati with the, he had a, you know, his philosophy was innovative offense, right? Like it was spread. It was fast. It was, you know, like, you know, get after it. Yeah. It was, I'm not necessarily tempo. It was just, it was spread out. It was, you know, a lot of throwing. Um, and, and over time, you know, it's, it morphed because he, you know, I think you eventually listened to the outside noise enough where people were like, dude, like you need to run the ball. And I think he, he's kind of gotten more into that over the last two years or so. And last year that was like all we did, you know, I mean, we, we threw the ball in a, you know, a decent amount, but our, our main, our bread and butter, which rightfully so we had a really good offensive line and you had solid tight ends. So we, we we were in 12 and 13 personnel, you know, practically the whole game. But, you know, I think what needs to happen is he just needs to go back to his old ways. I'm kind of quoting a guy, a guy I listened to, um, one of the, he's, he writes for a Notre Dame outlet, but he talks about that all the time. Just like Brian Kelly just needs to go back to his, to his old ways, like be innovative on offense. Yeah. yeah. Because like, you know, you look at, what, look at what Nick Saban has done. He's He was, I mean, for the last however many years, how I mean, just unbelievable defenses. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I'm going to change with the college football landscape and score 50 points a game. Well, I think the Saban changing was, had a lot to do with Clemson, with Deshaun yeah. Watson and all that. Right. It wasn't too long ago we had LSU and Alabama – Play nine to seven. I know. <laughs> it's crazy. Now it's fifty to forty. Yeah, it's just it's changed. So you got to be able to put up points, and you can't. You're not going to line up with. Like, granted, I think Notre Dame matched up much better in the trenches this year with Alabama than they did in 2012. I mean, we just got just beat down by their offensive line and defensive line. And this year I felt like that that was more even this year. I think that he's done a nice job of of, you know, recruiting those positions and building those up, but now it's skill positions. Like you got to find the quarterback that can sling it and, you know, escape. I mean, Mac Jones couldn't run, but or if you're going to have someone like Mac Jones, you got to have Jalen Waddle and DeVonte Smith, <laughs> which they don't grow on trees. So like like I said, you need to take risks. Yeah, you gotta chuck the ball around. You gotta and with with scheme, with good scheme. I I always wondered back when Hoke was coach, Devin Gardner would just chuck it up. <laughs> I know he had a good arm, but and he had like 
receivers that weren't really highly recruited, like Roy Ryan, Curry, Jeremy Gallon. Mm-hmm. And he, I mean, he at least tried to give his receivers the ball. It wasn't yeah. a great team around him, but. Yeah, we mentioned that. I mentioned that a little bit earlier with um, Book. And I think that's what most, a lot of people are excited about Cone, Jack Cone this year, because uh, you saw in the spring game, granted his numbers weren't great. He had an interception. But again, he's, he's you know, he just arrived on campus a couple months ago. Like, you got to give him some time to build some chemistry. But it was very um, reassuring to see the quarterback catch the snap. And when the pocket started to form around him, he just stepped up and he made a throw. I mean, it was like pulling teeth trying to get Ian Book to do that. I mean, as soon as the pocket started really? to move. Oh, man. Like, he had a couple games towards the end of last year. Like Well, that Carol- Clemson when he looked. Give him the Heisman. Yeah, <laughs> and then, that. that was the frustrating part. It was always like he'd have games like that where it's like, dude, he was Brett like, Favre gunslinger type. Yeah, like I remember that play, the play where he, uh, it was the the play that set up the game winning or the game tying touchdown to send it in overtime when he threw it to Avery Davis down the middle of the field. Like he he caught the ball, he caught the snap, and the cop, the oh my gosh, the pocket collapsed around him and he just stepped up and he made a great throw right down the middle of the field. And it was like, dude, like, why can't you do that more often? I it just, again, I don't play college quarter. I'm not a college quarterback, so I don't like, I'm sure I wouldn't be able to do it, but like, it's frustrating because you knew that potential was there. And then it was just like, there were games when we'd be playing Duke or Pitt. And it was like, He'd catch the snap and he'd get he'd feel any pressure and it was like head down, gone. <laughs> like I don't know, it was very inconsistent. But again, I do like Ian Book. I I have respect for him. I think he was a good quarterback. I just that was a little bit frustrating at times. Wow, you guys just suck. Yeah, <laughs> we're terrible. I'm such a homer. It's but it's you bad. keep saying that and I'm thinking Michigan the same process with quarterback play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I I think Buckner could be that guy. He could be that that transformational quarterback, that dual threat type guy that can can just take you to that next level. But again, like, what's his full name? Tyler Buckner. I'll have to look him up. Yeah, if you look up his junior season highlights, actually, if you go go to my uh, my blog, you can you'll be able to find some of this right. stuff. Um. Shameless plug, go check out Irish Eyes Football at WordPress.com. I, I think that's what I don't Sponsored even know my own. By Irish Eyes. I don't even know my own. I honestly just do it for fun. I have a great time. But well, this is cool. what we're doing right now is for fun. Yeah. And if you I mean go if you listen to this and you don't already follow Irish Eyes Football on Instagram and Facebook, <laughs> go go like and uh share my content so I can get a little bit of following it. I mean I already I got like 110 followers on Instagram, so I'm basically famous. But <laughs> uh, but no, I um, you, yeah, you should check his back back to back to the podcast. Um, you should check out his highlights. He's his junior highlights were insane. He's he was really good. So, but um, yeah, I think that's that's pretty much we've covered everything. Yeah. 
on our list. Anything else you want to talk about? What should we do for the next podcast episode? That's a good talk question. Talk about the rivalry a little more. Yeah, let's dive into that. We have some things written down. Talk about um, Brian Kelly versus Jim Harbaugh, maybe. Or that's a good idea. Maybe some throwback games. Maybe I'll maybe I'll post it um, in the in my on my Instagram and see if we get some feedback on whether they would like to hear about throwback games or some favorite players or something like that. Yeah, and then we can kind of go from there. But, anyways, that uh. That about does it for us here on the Fighting Wolverines podcast. Um, if you don't mind, go ahead and like and subscribe. Uh, we're on pod, around podcast. We're on uh, Spotify, and we've been picked up by a couple different things, but we have not been picked up by Apple Podcasts yet. Um, so, I mean, if you're listening to this, you're going to be listening to it on Spotify most likely. So, go ahead and like and subscribe. And that helps uh, our podcast kind of get out there and more people to hear it. So thanks for listening, and um, we'll see you later.